the OSC Spurs Cast, episode 579. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm the host here on Spurs Cast. Joining me today will be Project Spurs founder, Michael DeLeon. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm healthy. I'm safe. I'm staying away from people. So, so far, you know, so good. There's, there's been enough stuff for me to keep me busy uh, at home. So I have no problem staying home. But, um, you know, so I, I, I yeah, I'm a little bit worried about the NBA stuff. But I know we'll talk about that later. But on my end, things are going all right. I'm glad to hear that, Mike. Um, you know, it, you just mentioned their safety is the, the key thing right now. Uh, you and I, um, you know, basically based in the San Antonio area. And as, as we know, San Antonio and Texas as a whole, we're going through a tough time right now with this COVID-19. Our state um, and our city where the hospitals are getting close to being overwhelmed. So, so with, with the amount of patients that are getting sick. And so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough time right now. You know, some, some places are starting to, to basically shut down again. So, um, yeah, we're going to monitor that. So, so we are here, Spurs Cast listeners. I know it's been a few weeks uh, since I last recorded an episode. We have more information with the Spurs and their restart. Um, we're going to go over and, and go into their, their, their new schedule that they're going to have, their eight seeding games. We're going to go into detail about how that's going to work, um, you know, if they even play, because like I mentioned, our second topic is going to be about the rising cases over where they're going to be playing in Orange County, um, Florida, which is, a, which is the, the county where um, Orlando's at, the Disney World and all that stuff. So we'll talk about some of that information. Um, the Spurs did make a signing um, with, with Tyler Zeller. I know that last episode we talked about uh, Lamarcus Aldridge being hurt for the rest of the year or for the rest of the season. So uh, they did make a signing in Tyler Zeller. We'll, we'll get into that. And then there was a, they were just going to have a minor conversation about Will Hardy, uh, one of the Spurs' assistant coaches, actually being interviewed with the New York Knicks for their head coaching job. So we'll go ahead and get started here. And let's begin, Mike, with the seeding game schedule. So um, last week, uh, this, this recent week, um, the NBA officially released their, their eight seeding games for each team. The Spurs will take place. Um, their games from July 31st all the way to August 13th. And here are their eight opponents. They, have, they start off with the Sacramento Kings. Then they have the Memphis Grizzlies, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Denver Nuggets, the Utah Jazz, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Houston Rockets. And then they finish up with the Jazz one more time. So they play the Jazz twice. Uh, some notes on, this, on these games before the pandemic. The, six, the, the Spurs had gone 6-6 um, six and six against these seven teams pre-pandemic. One interesting thing to note is that they did lose their leading scorer in those games. So when you take all of those games against these, uh, these teams, these bubble teams as I'm calling them, uh, and you look at the Spurs' numbers, LaMarcus Aldridge against these specific seven teams were actually, he was the leading scorer in all those games. He was averaging 22.7 points. So, so that's one big loss for the Spurs is that against these specific teams that they're going to play, they're losing their main scorer. Um, Right now, the outlook uh, and the fan base looks pretty, pretty. Um, I guess you would say uh, optimistic. Whereas the, the the models, the math models, you know, they got in together. They already put in, crunched their numbers. They're not as optimistic. So let's first focus on the, on the math models. Um, the ESPN RPM model, row plus minus, and then the, the player impact plus minus models, both project the Spurs to finish 12th in the West, which means that they're going to finish behind Sacramento, but barely ahead of Phoenix. Uh, according to that ESPN row plus mo- uh, minus model. They have a 0.4% chance of getting the 8 seed, which this is something me and Colin talked about a, a few weeks ago where we, we didn't think that they'd get the 8 seed. And then also, there's more optimism for them to get the six, the ninth seed, which is a 6.1%. And remember, if you get the ninth seed and you're within four games, you might you have a chance to, to force a, um, a play-in tournament. So again, 6.6% chance for a ninth seed, zero, almost 0% chance for an 8 seed. The road is tough. Now, Mike, I did put a, a poll out on Twitter um, the day that the schedule came out, and the Spurs fan base, the ones that follow me, um, we're, we're way more optimistic about their chances. Yeah. Uh, 34% said that they're going to go five and three or better. 26% uh, thought, thought the opposite. They say that they go two and six or worse. 
Um, 23% said they go three and five, and then 18% four and four. And four. So again, uh, the fan base is more excited. You know, they look at the schedule. You see teams like the Kings, the Grizzlies. Um, who else? Uh, the, the the Pelicans maybe and, and the Jazz I guess is who they think that the Spurs can, can easily get wins. But aside, I, you know, I, I wasn't as optimistic. Um, and then so so without Aldridge against these bubble teams, their their next leading scorers based on previous season data, uh, Demar Derozan with twenty two point one points per game, Bryn Forbes is their third leading scorer in these games uh, with thirteen point eight points per game, uh, Dejounte Murray twelve point eight points per game, Derek White ten point six, uh, Rudy Gay ten point five, and then Patty Mills uh, nine point two. So. Uh, just Mike, tell me what you thought about the schedule for the Spurs and, and what what their road looks like ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think looking at at the schedule, I mean, I think be, before you could look at some of these and be like, okay, there's a lot of winnable games here. But then now, what I had to kind of rethink and I'm like, oh, well, Mark Soldier is out now, so that changes a lot. So I mean, even games against the Kings and Grizzlies aren't gimmies at all. So. I mean, I, I'm thinking a max of three wins out of out of all these. I I don't see them uh, in the eighth or ninth. So I, I think it's just going to be a, a hard road for them to get, you know, in, in that eighth or ninth seed. And I think another team has to really do pretty bad because even the Pelicans game is the only where you consider that win all. But the Pelicans had had given them some trouble at some time, and then you've got uh, probably Zion going against, you know. Probably Rudy Kay in that case, or or Jacoperto, and so that's going to be uh, really hard to to defend, I think. So it, it seems like it's going to be a challenge without without Lamarcus. I think even before with Lamarcus, it would have been a challenge, but even more so now. Yeah, for sure, and um, you know, it, it's it's going to be tough. Like like like, like you, you might, you know, even with Aldridge, I might have said three. Honestly, I would have been more confident in, in saying three wins for them. Uh, with Aldridge, you know, without Aldridge, I can maybe see two. I can maybe see maybe if if they're if they really play well, they, a, a Kings win, and then maybe like a Grizzlies or a Pelicans win, like you just mentioned there. So again, I don't see them, uh, you know, having what it takes to be Philly, um, Denver, the Jazz, you know, the Rockets. Those teams are really tough for them, uh, even though they they have beaten some of those, some of those teams. Like it's weird that they were two and zero against Utah this year. So so maybe you know who knows, but uh, yeah. So so it's it's a tough road for, ahead for them. Um, one thing I wanted to, I wanted we, me and Colin kind of discussed this last episode, and, and this is even before we knew these teams. Is I really felt that they would go more with a um, like small ball type lineups against mm-hmm. these teams. I mean, but now that I see that the actual opponents, that's interesting because so, like you know with the Jazz you have Rudy Gobert out there, the Nuggets you have Jokic with the uh, with the yeah. Sixers you have uh, Joel Embiid. So you don't get a lot of small ball type teams um, in this. Now one thing that that we see though is out of all those bubble teams that I was talking about. When you actually pull the numbers, you actually see that the Spurs, if you take LaMarcus off the team, they do shoot more threes um, w- without LaMarcus. So, again, 34% of their shots come from three against these teams, um, 32% when it's with Audard. So, again, there is more of um, – do, do you see that approach, Mike, uh, aside, uh, against some of those other teams where they might use more of that small ball approach? Yeah, and I think they're going to be forced to because, I mean, with, without Audard, I mean, I really can't see them starting too big, like uh, Pearl and and Zeller. I really see something where Gay is probably in the, in the four position. And not only that, but since they do shoot the three uh, so much, it'll allow them to, to stretch the floor a little bit. Maybe pull uh, some of those big defenders like Embiid, you know, outside of the paint, and uh, allow them to to work that way. I feel like that's the best option right now. Yeah, for sure. And and as we get to Zeller, we'll get we'll get into more comments as we get to uh, the, the signing of him for sure. Um, so yeah, so so that's the Spurs' road ahead again. It's eight games, uh, July thirty first through 
August 13th. And even though, you know, everything's being formulated and it's slowly kicking into gear, we do want to caution that we're not 100% yet that, that you know, this, this is for sure, for sure going to happen. I was listening to a podcast I was telling Mike on, um, with, with Zach Lowe and Kevin Pelton. And, and, you know, even Zach Lowe was saying, you know, even though everything's ready to go, it's on paper, it's not 100% there just yet, just because of what's happening in our second topic. And our second topic is the increase of cases over specifically in the Orlando area. It's called the Orange County um, area of, of Florida. So what's going on here? So so think about this. The NBA settled on this agreement with the um, NBA PA back on June 4th. So, again, Florida looked like a great state with, with uh, you know, with not that many cases of COVID-19. It wasn't really, you know, popping up everywhere and people weren't getting as sick. So, again, back on Jan- June 4th, everything looked fine. However, um, flash forward to June 14th, which is just two weeks ago, um, they, uh, it, it's, it's dramatically changed. So on June 14th, only 5.7% of, of people getting tested in Florida, in Orange County, were testing positive, which was 177 cases. Now, as of Saturday, June 27th, 17% of, of people that were getting tested there were turning out positive. That's 831 cases. They're one of those states, just like Texas and Arizona and others, that are slowly, um, you know, or actually quickly um, blowing up with, with cases where they're just popping up everywhere. And so, the, again, this is actual data from Orange County where the, where, the, where the Spurs and all the other teams will be hosted. Now, they will be in that bubble environment where they're going to be on a campus that's very, very secure. Um, the only people coming in and out from the public would be probably like, um, you know, food staff and, and uh, those those people like security and those, um, you know, managing the hotels where they're staying. So, so there are going to be residents that live in Florida coming in and out. But, but as far as the players, the coaches, everyone, they're going to be locked in that, that, that bubble environment. Um, Mike, what do you think about that? Do you think that there's still a chance that the NBA may have to shift and cancel this this um, restart? And I, I feel like it's just really soon, like end of July. I mean, we're about to enter July now. And as as high as numbers have spiked, because obviously some states haven't taken things as seriously as others. And, and, and then Florida, looking at the numbers there, I mean, that looks super scary to me. Um, and even though they're probably taking charter flights, and that's a lot safer than, you know, public um, flights and things like that. Um, if you're having to go into a state that, I mean, that, that, that percentage, well, you said 17%? That, that's, yeah, 17. That's super scary. <laughs> I mean, if you think about getting 100 people in, the, in a room with 17 of those people, I mean, that's a high number. So, I mean, I think it, it's honestly best to, you know, push it back if they can and, I, I honestly wouldn't be opposed to I mean, I know a lot of people hate this because they want sports back, and then they feel like you're robbing a team of winning a championship that has played well this, this season, but I wouldn't be too opposed to them just, like, canceling the rest of the season. I feel like right now is not the best time. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind of, like, on the on – the, um you know, let's just see what happens kind of thing. Like, if they play, they play. If they don't, I'm not going to get upset over, you know, just kicking the offseason most are looking at free agency, the draft, all that stuff. Because, again, you're right. I mean, really what I think that the – because uh, the, the teams, I think, fly out to, to Orlando on um, July 7th through 9th. They're going to they're gonna, uh, bring them in in three-day segments of each team. Uh, I mean, like, like 10 teams a day basically bringing them in. And so that will be kind of where I think that we're going to really get a call on whether or not they're going to continue with this thing. Is If, if by, like, July 6th or 5th, like, we still continue to see these dramatic increase in cases in that area, Orange County, Florida, then I think that they may have to really, really determine if they're really going to do this or not. Uh, and, and, if, and if the numbers have gone down by then, um, then maybe they will actually, you know, they'll feel, they'll feel a bit more, more comfortable and confident in sending the players and the teams over there. So, again, we'll see. I mean, what, what's happening, again, this is, this is crazy that, that, this, that this, this wave is just um, – this first wave that we're still in is, is just surging down in the south uh where, where, where all these cases are, are popping up um like crazy right now 
uh, for for um, for everybody in, in in the nation. So yeah. So, so what kind of monitor what happens there? You know, even though yes, on paper and the schedules are coming out and everything, blah blah blah, signings are being made. Again, we gotta. It's not a hundred hundred percent just yet. We gotta monitor what's going on there in Florida. Um, all right, so Mike, our next topic is the Spurs did make a signing, like we mentioned, um, Tyler Zeller, an NBA veteran who's been in the league for, for a number of years. Uh, they signed him back on June 24th. Uh, um, it was, it's a two-year deal with the non-guaranteed second year. So, so this coming off season, there will be a certain date where they have to determine when um, to to keep him for next season or to to um, waive him, and then let uh, you know, and then his salary doesn't affect their cap, but very similar to Chimezi Matus. Um, circumstances. So, what do we know about Zeller? Um, he's a seven foot, you know, big a center. Uh, he's thirty years old. Um, he didn't play this season. He hasn't really been on a team this season. I think, I think, Mike, you wrote up the article on him, and, and he had been waived by the Nuggets, but he actually hasn't played any minutes this year. Um, he's played in just five games last season, so really, even last year, he wasn't really in the NBA as much. Um, and he's been on six different teams in his career. Uh, if we go back to some of his better seasons, um, or his most recent data, should I say, in 27, uh, 2018 season, so two years ago, um, 77% of his shots came from the rim, 22% from mid-range, and just 1% of his shots from three. Back in the 2016-17 season, he kind of flirted with the three-point shot. Actually, 11% of his shots came from three. He typically doesn't shoot three. So that's, again, so so again, if you're getting a picture of what Zeller does, he's more that that, that big who kind of just rolls to the rim and plays in, near the rim. Um on defense, uh, he's like a his numbers look like he's a league average block, um, shot blocker for in, in block shot percentage for his career. Uh, he he does show in his career to foul a lot, so he gets in foul trouble pretty pretty regularly. And then he's a good offensive rebounder for his career, but he's not a great defensive rebounder. He's not he, he's for for being a seven foot player, he doesn't get a lot of rebounders like uh, rebounds like you would think he would. Um, so, so Mike, what, let me know what you think about Zeller, the signing, and, and do you think that he'll only play in certain circumstances, like if they're playing teams with, with traditional bigs, like the Sixers who have Joel Embiid, like I mentioned, or the, the Jazz with Rudy Gobert, or uh, there was another team that, that was there earlier. What, what do you, th- what do you think? Um, let me know about his signing and where you think he's going to play. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a good signing. I mean, if you think about some of the names out there that were free agents and if they need help at that position, it was kind of a good a uh, stopgap for what the work is out. And so, you know, from what I saw, I mean, it, it's pretty much exactly what you just said. He had he had a really good year, and uh, I think it was when he was with Boston, he had one good year there. But he hasn't played a lot of minutes in his career. I think he averages probably around 20 minutes a game every stop he's been at. So he's never been able to to produce any numbers that have been, you know, I guess too surprising. Or I think he's around 7 and 5, uh, or like some of his highs. And so, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's going to be one of those things where they see him and it's somebody else to throw at, like a, a Joel Embiid or Rudy Gobert. I, I don't think it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be regular rotation because they might opt to go with someone they know a lot more and, Timothy Metu, but I'm sure he'll be helpful against those guys. It's like, like I said, it's another body, and Chimezu's had some foul trouble too. So, you know, it's two guys that have, are notoriously uh, big foulers. So, I guess that having an extra guy will help. Yeah, for sure. So, like, I think like against most of the teams there in Orlando, they're going to start with um, you know their usual lineup, which is probably going to be uh, Trey Lyles at the four and Rudy Gay at the five. Uh, not mm-hmm. Rudy Gay, um, Jakobert at the five. Yeah. And then coming off the bench, will be more. You'll see more. Um, maybe DeRozan going to the four, and then uh, Rudy Gay playing the five, the small ball five, like we were seeing right before the shutdown. Now, like I mentioned, against those teams like Philly, 
um, like Denver, you know, with, with, with Jokic, and then also the Utah with, with Rudy Gobert. I think that's when you're going to see Zeller be more of a backup five against those players. Um, and yeah, especially like like you mentioned, Mike, if like if like um, Pirtle gets in in some sort of foul trouble, then I think for sure we see Zeller. Um, so you see, yeah, so again, I, I I think I don't think he'll be a regular rotation player, but I think he will get some minutes here, and and it gives the Spurs a few games to basically evaluate whether or not they want to they want to guarantee his contract for next year to have him on the team. Or if, or if in this coming off season they want to just waive him in that way his a cap hit is not applied to their to their salary for next year. So again, it's a, it's a, it's a minimal risk move. We know that the chances of them even making the playoffs are very very slim. Um, and just to reiterate, um, something that I've seen on Twitter is a lot of people think that um, that you know if they lose all their games they go zero and eight they're going to get a better draft pick. Remember they're not going to get that. The the, the lottery standings were basically frozen um, back in March, and so the only way they can imp- uh, they, the only thing they can do is improve their um, their not not improve their draft pick, but improve their standings by, by making the playoffs. So the only way the Spurs don't get a lottery pick, that's basically in the 11th slot right now, is if they make the playoffs. So as long as they don't make the playoffs, they're gonna they're gonna continue to be in that 11th slot once it come, come once the lottery comes. I think in, in late August is when it's, that's been held. All right, so I mean that's kind of what's going on. I mean again, it's 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 still a light schedule. I mean I mean in terms of information and data that's coming out, it's just we know that, that we actually know that there's a real schedule now. There's there's eight games coming uh, coming forward. Uh, we we know we discussed the Tyler Zeller signing and then also. Um, Oh, there's actually one more topic. I, I missed this here. Uh, so our last topic, Mike, uh, let's, let's talk about a young coach on the Spurs, uh, Will Hardy. He's an assistant coach. He's been with them for a number of years now. Um, he's actually being interviewed for his first job with the, with, as a head coach with the New York Knicks. So uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski on, of ESPN back on June 18th, uh, the Knicks were given permission from the Spurs to interview Will Hardy, who's 32, um, for, for a head coaching job. Now there has now the Knicks have been interviewing a bunch of candidates, so so it's not like uh, yeah. it's not like Hardy's a, a front runner here, but it's good to see that he's getting that experience, he's already getting that, that kind of spotlight because we know that Becky Hammond has, has also gotten that spotlight. So now we so now you know that and you know and, and pops pops um, former assistant coaches, of course, a lot of them do get jobs in the NBA and, and um, or, or they get they get moved to, to different positions on other staff where they're the, where they're the lead head coach. So, so that's something interesting to mo- uh, to watch, Mike. Um, what, what did you think about Will Hardy's name being um, mentioned with the Knicks? Yeah, I mean, it just seemed like it was a matter of time or before it would happen. There's been so many coaches that, I mean, if you look at Ime Udoka, uh, they lost him. Blake Ahern from the Austin Spurs just left to join the Memphis Grizzlies staff. And their head coach is a former Austin Toros coach also. So it, it's just one of those things where it seems like yeah, anybody that's worked under Pop, like, automatically kind of has... Uh, I feel like that they they automatically got something you know, a little juice I guess behind their name because they've worked with him because they've learned from him and they've been uh, under his system for so long. So I think you know Becky and Will Hardy will definitely continue to to get interviews and things like that. So as far as that job, that seems like it's a rough job for your first head coaching <laughs> position. But uh, you know we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, just. Just a few years ago, um, I, I want to say it was the year that Kyle Anderson came into came into the team or, or into the league. I think it was like 2015, 16. Is, is a uh, just a few years. Ago, I, I could just remember being at, at Spurs summer league camps, um, media sessions, and, and Becky Hammond and Will Hardy were our interviews, and and they were like talking about being, you know, it was their first time getting a coach in Vegas, you know. So like we're going from that experience from like just a few years ago, they were doing yeah. that, and now all of a sudden they're both getting interviewed for for real head coaching jobs here. Um, so so that's really interesting, and again, it shows to, to the credit that they, that they work hard. Um, again, it helps that that, that they're under, that they're working under Pop because uh, of course you know a lot of there's a history there of, of teams wanting to to, to 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 hire people that were working for Pop. Um, and, and R.C. Buford and the whole Spurs staff and everybody like that. So, so yeah, so, so we'll see what happens. Um, according to the latest reporting I saw, um, you know, there's, like I mentioned, there's been multiple.
multiple candidates interviewed, um, and there's not supposed to be a decision expected until mid to late July. So it's not like this is anything that we may see in the next few days. So again, it's, it's a good credit to, to Will Hardy that he's getting um, his, his name out there as well um, for, for, for head coaching jobs. All right, so before we close up this episode, uh, we want to rem- uh, remind you all to visit ProjectSpurs.com, some, some things we have up there. Um, continue to uh, check out uh, ben- Benjamin Bornstein's prospect watches. Again, uh, you know, we know the draft's coming, in, uh, I think it's October, so um, you know that there's going to be a draft for sure, uh, whether or not there's a season or not. Um, so Ben's continuing to, to keep you prepared for that draft. Uh, there's a latest film room um, on the Spurs without LaMarcus Aldridge by Rob uh, Trejo Jr. Rob's doing a great job of making these videos. Um, so his latest one is on, on, on what the Spurs will look like without LaMarcus Aldridge. Mike, something you just mentioned there, um, Jonas Clark wrote about. Uh, it's, there's a new piece called um, Ahern's New Job Highlights Spurs' Development Approach. So that's by Jonas Clark. And then we added a new writer as well. Um, so far, his name is Josh Paredes. Um, he has, his, latest, his first piece is called Inside the Spurs' Rich History of Passionate Point Guards. And he's also working on a series that's going to be coming out here pretty soon over on Project Spurs. Um, so th- uh, t- to Michael DeLeon um, and I'm Paul Garcia. Thank you all for listening. You know, everybody stay safe out there. Uh, you know, wear a mask, wash your hands, everything like that. Practice social distancing and just be safe out there. Have a great day.